Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. It's time to grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above us for the week ahead. Today is my 41st wedding anniversary. So happy anniversary to my husband, Terry. I love you so much. As if 41 years hasn't even gone by. It's amazing how fast time flies. And since I'm 61, that means I've been with this man more than half my life. That just boggles the brain, doesn't it? But I'm glad to be here with you all this morning. I hope everybody had a good weekend. I hope you watched out for the pitfalls of that semi-square between Venus and Mars. I, for one, am so glad that I paid attention to this, what is a minor little aspect, right? That doesn't seem like it's a big aspect, but there you go. On Saturday, almost right on cue, these little irritations started popping up, right? Just things, dumb things that would irritate me, right? Things weren't coming together the way I wanted them to, or Terry would say something I didn't like, and I just wanted to go, Rawr! but I remembered that there is an aspect pattern that was happening. And this is why we live astrology, why we are living astrology, because when that is happening and you can remember that, hey, there's this scritchy little transit going on today, uh, it actually went on into Sunday as well, then you can calm your jets a little bit and not go all postal on someone, right? So it's important, the work that we do in the morning, uh, even if it's only twice a week, we're at least getting an idea of what all the aspects are so we know how things may turn out. It doesn't always mean they're going to turn out exactly like that. If you would ask me, hey, Janet, are you going to be the one that's going to have the scritchy issue this weekend? I probably would have said no, not me, because I'm usually so easygoing and I just go with the flow, <gasps> but not this weekend, right? This weekend with that aspect between Venus and Mars, everything was an irritation. It was funny. But then I could just get up and walk away. I could go outside. I could do something different. Uh, and I did. That's exactly what I did. So I hope all of you had that same thing uh, idea going on. If you had irritations going on in your life that day, Saturday or Sunday, that you just got up and walked away. Now, this morning, we have actually quite a bit to talk about in this first week of April. It's like the first weeks of the month right now are just kind of pouring on uh, the information. But we're going to take things in a little bit different direction this morning because <clears throat> as we get into the week, we have the sun tomorrow or on the 5th. So today's the 3rd, so Wednesday. The sun will be moving into the gate 51, which is called the gate of shock in human design. This is where Jupiter has been sitting for the last several weeks. And Jupiter is there until we get to uh, the 8th. And then he, she, he, Jupiter's the he, switches to a different gate, which means, though, that the sun and Jupiter will be together at the gate 51. And while they're not in a conjunction in your human design or in astrology, they are, for all intents and purposes, backing one another up at the gate of shock. And I want to talk about what are the differences between the sun at these gates uh, or at this gate and then Jupiter at this gate and how do they play together. So the way that we are going to look at that is through the lines of human design 
uh, in gene keys. We talk about these two, and I'll jump into what more uh, about that here in just a bit. As well, we have the moon in Virgo today and the full moon tomorrow, uh, or on the 5th and the 6th, excuse me, happening for most of the world. Uh, it'll happen on the 5th for us on the West Coast and uh, Hawaii and um, uh, let's see, is that right? That's the chart of the moment. Yes. So the full moon in Washington, D.C. or East Coast time happens just after midnight, which means for those of us on the east, on the west coast of the USA uh, or in Alaska, Hawaii, we are experiencing that full moon on the 5th, while every other time zone just about is experiencing it after midnight. So there we have it. So the 5th and 6th, we jump into the week with a full moon. And we also uh, start out today with Mercury in a square to Pluto. That can be very powerful. We'll break that down in a little bit. Then we have um, the new human design week, which will be the gate 51. That's something we really want to talk about. And then something else interesting happening this week on Thursday. There's no big transits happening, but the moon moves into a very long void or void of course. That means she's just kind of wandering. There's no new aspects being taken uh, on, so there's nothing new uh, occurring. Uh, it kind of is a time where we can sit with things that are already in process and maybe finish them up. Uh, but that happens on the 6th, and that's like from 5.40 in the morning until 11.30 at night. Uh, West Coast time. And the last aspect, we always look, what's the last aspect the moon is going to make before she moves into the void? Because that kind of gives us the idea of what we're left with during those many hours that she is just wandering. And the last aspect will be a square to Pluto. So we may be sitting with some very intense emotions during that long void, of course. We're going to, we'll break that down a little bit more. And then on Friday, Mercury enters the shadow of his next retrograde. Can't even believe we're talking about that already. And then we have a couple of other planetary transits. Saturday, Jupiter moves out of the gate 51 of shock and into the gate of celebration. I like this. That's an interesting move <laughs> to move from shock and awe. Uh, breakthrough, awakening, initiation, and then into the celebration. So hopefully things will be very much different as Jupiter makes that move, although the sun will still be sitting at the gate of shock at that time. All right, so we're, we're going to, like I said, go into these things a little deep, more deeply as time goes on here today. Uh, let's say good morning to everybody. We have Tom, 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 Tom. Debbie was there first. Debbie, good morning to you first. Tom a second. However, he was an early bird and he wanted a worm. So I was going to go out in my yard and dig one up from, for him, but I didn't have the time. So Tom, here's a worm. We'll just pretend, okay? Uh, Andy girl, good morning and thank you very much. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you, Tom. J-Lo, good morning to you. Joan Durchy, hello. Pam Zaruba, good morning. Christine Buckingham, good morning. And uh, woohoo, Janet is giving me an early gift. Explain this gate 51. Indeed, it'll be an interesting conversation, right? Good morning, Janet Groscott. And hello, Pauline. And she says Thursday is Passover day, uh, Thursday, Holy Thursday. And Kathleen Mallory, good morning to you. So for those of you who celebrate the Easter holidays, um, yesterday was Palm Sunday. 
Thursday would be what Holy Thursday or Maundy Thursday, then Good Friday, and then Sunday is Easter. Um, when I was a Lutheran, I absolutely celebrated all of these different holidays, even though they just didn't make sense. That was when I was a kid. And I woke up one day and went, none of this makes sense. Actually, I experienced a shocking event, a chironic event when I was about 17, it's between 16 and 17 years old. And at that point in time, I saw through religion and set it aside in my life and went on a different adventure, a more metaphysical one, although that is not how I would have worded it at that point in my life. I just saw that religion was fake, right? That there was something fake about it all. And yeah, and it was doing more damage and harm in my life than it was doing good. It was a tool of separation in my family instead of something that united us. And in that, I saw through what religion is all about. So not that I'm against religion. If you are religious, more power to you, right? I just prefer to be more spiritual. So that's how I look at that. Uh, Pauline Wednesday, the Chinese celebrates Qingming Tom cleaning for ancestors, Clean, Qing Ming tomb, cleaning for ancestors. I like that. That's kind of interesting. You'll have to tell us more about that, Pauline. All right. So let's start this morning with the moon in Virgo. One of my favorite placements for the moon. Actually, there, there really isn't a place that I don't like that the moon goes to. It's just I have to prepare if the moon's moving through cancer because I know I'm going to be emotional. Um, when the moon is in Virgo, I know I'm going to get down and get dirty and get cleaned, right? <laughs> you guys would laugh at me because last week our Blu-ray player slash home theater system blew up. Like it just wouldn't work. Every time you tried to turn it on, it would just turn right back off. And so it meant we needed something new to replace it. So we bought a new system. Terry's like, oh, let's get a sound bar instead of the home theater system. And I went, mm, yeah, okay, whatever. So we got that all in and I tore my living room apart on Friday afternoon, putting all of this together only to realize that I didn't have enough HDMI cord space. Well, plug-in space. I had the cords, but not the plug-in space. So then I had to wait to finish that until I got that. So I got that yesterday. And then I realized the sound bar won't work because it needs to be split. It was just a mess. And that was one of the sources of irritation between Terry and I, because <laughs> he kept thinking he knew what to do. And I'm like, no, that isn't going to work. So we'd let him do it, prove him wrong. And then I would do it and it would work, but it was still not working correctly. Today, we're going to fix that problem. So moon in Virgo, <laughs> giving you the, although Friday, the moon was not in Virgo, right? It was not in Virgo, but starting on Sunday morning, the moon was in Virgo, giving me the ability to stick with something, to analyze or critically think. That's one of the hallmarks of the moon in Virgo, right? But it also concerns our working life. So the, the work that we actually do and the people that we actually work with and the place that we actually do our work. And then from there, it concerns all the daily rhythms, the habits and things that we do. So, you know, you get up in the morning, do you get immediately into the shower? Do you go get a cup of coffee? Do you brush your teeth? What are those daily rhythms? And in Virgo, that's what we're dealing with, the habits and the patterns of our lives. And as well, there's kind of a to-do list. One of the things I'm doing in the morning is I'm thinking, 
about, well, what is it that I have to do, right? What's my schedule look like? So the to-do list, moon in Virgo. And I actually have my own moon, my natal moon in Virgo. So this is kind of a pattern for me that's there from birth. But on these days, all of us are kind of kind of tuned into more of our work life and those kinds of rhythms. Now, Virgo also rules health and healing and healers. So we also have this contention around healthy habits, right? What is it healthy that things that you're doing? Is there a way to make your life more healthy? Uh, is there healers in your life? Are you a healer? Do you have a pattern of healing, especially alternative healing? Now, it doesn't mean that you can't be a more traditional or, I mean, a, a more modern healer. Uh, that's certainly possible as well. But Virgo actually looks at some of the more, um, the different ways in which that we can heal. So the more alternative leaning uh, healing. Uh, what do we call complementary medicine, right? So there we have that. As well, Virgo and Pisces, they are across an axis, right? So Virgo uh, and Pisces can have a lot to do with purifying the physical body. In Virgo, it's purifying the physical body. In Pisces, it would be more like purifying the spirit. But purification is a part of this detoxifying, if you will, the uh, the environment that you're in, what you're putting into your body, etc. And then Virgo energy getting organized, seeing to the details, Virgo likes the details, being coming efficient in whatever it is that you're doing. And then we always have with uh, Virgo, Mercury is the planet that rules Virgo. So Mercury contends with thinking, with the mind, with communication, but in Virgo, Mercury really takes us into discernment energy, where we have the ability to critically think or to analyze, right, to see how the details and all the pieces come together, and then even planning for what comes next, and as well, calm in a crisis. Virgo energy can be very calm in a crisis. And uh, I've seen that in action, and that's actually a theme that we're going to see that repeats this week. So you might make a little note, calm in a crisis. Now, we have to watch out for a couple of things as well, because there's always the high and the low energy, and the lower energy is mental anxiety when we get to Virgo. It's that mercury energy that gets caught up in a thinking pattern and then thinks over and over and over again or thinks in a way that um, is trying to solve a problem but can't see how to solve the problem, and it creates anxiety and worry and stress. So watch out for mental anxiety. Watch out for the victim, savior, martyr complex of energies. Um, across that axis of Virgo and Pisces, we have that kind of victim-y feel. Martyr is more of the Virgo, while victim is more of the um, Pisces. But both signs have a tendency to be saviors, to want to swoop in and take over and, you know, make things better for people. Now, that's not such a bad thing, except unless you're asked to do this, you're actually treading on somebody else's uh, territory. And as well, watch out for the blame game, blaming each other or another for things that are happening in your life or the way the TV isn't working because you've got a connection wrong. 
all those kinds of things are hysterically funny, but big things, don't blame others, right? Watch out for that. Uh, service to humanity is correct. There is a service, it's work, service, and health. It has a very altruistic feel to it. Um, they are here to serve. And my definition of serving is about sharing of your gifts, of your talents with others. What can you do better than anybody else? And then stepping up and sharing that gift with the world. Um, moon in Virgo, great time to do a detox or cleanse or flush. Absolutely. And Pauline sounds like OCD. There is OCD information that happens in Virgo that you would have to have other things going on in your astrology to make it really appear as OCD uh, or in your human design, some other gates that would have to be defined to make it an OCD. Uh, but there's that tendency there. So as well as uh, what is that called? Hypochondria. Uh, there's that potential where you're so in tune with their body that every little thing they note is out of order, right? So that they, they're very keen on fixing the problem in the body, but sometimes what they're feeling might be being picked up from the uh, collective and not necessarily something they're feeling in themselves. All right, great. Uh, what else here? Mind loop indeed. Time to release, purify, martyr, or victim consciousness. That's true too. Thank you very much, Kathleen Mallory. Uh, you know, I was sitting in reflection of this this morning, 41 years. Last year was our 40th anniversary, and we did the big party and all of that. And this year it was 41, and we didn't do anything particularly special. We're not doing anything particularly special uh, today. We are going away for the weekend next weekend, which reminds me, I will not be here on Friday for a broadcast. I may pre-record something if I have a chance to, but I won't be here because we're leaving early Friday morning to beat the traffic through Seattle because we're heading down to Southern Oregon for a family reunion, I guess you would say. Um, but as I was reflecting on the number of years, you become, when, when, you, when you marry somebody or when you're in a significant relationship with someone, you almost become one, right? Like we move through life as a unit, right? Uh, yeah as a unit. So I feel like we're kind of tied together at the hip in a very positive way. I don't mean that in a bad way at all. Um, but you, you figure 41 years of your life spent with one person uh, in that kind of a relationship, you do tend to be like one, right? There's just this feeling of oneness and of unity, even though we're two separate people doing two completely different things in our lives. Uh, but we share an awful lot. So there's always that kind of thinking. And I don't have to have a celebration or a party um, to remember that, right, and honor that connection. All righty. So now let's, you know, tomorrow, we, we talked about the full moon last week when, when Tam was on the show with me. Um, but, you know, it's worth talking a little bit more about this morning. So we have a Libra full moon on tap, right, with the moon in Libra, the sun in Aries. But with the sun in Aries is Chiron on one side and Jupiter on the other side. And Chiron is at 15 degrees, sun at 16 degrees, Jupiter at 20. And the moon, of course, 16 degrees, but in Libra, the other side. So it's almost, it's almost like the moon. If you have a pendulum, and I use, I do pendulum work when I'm in the Akashic record. So I have a pendulum. 
And if you think about it, the moon is holding all the energy that is swaying down here at the bottom, or that's moving in circles or is moving back and forth. However, its movement is, it's the, it's the moon, our emotions, our inner self that is holding on to um, the energy for us during this period of time. So as we move into that full moon, we have the moon in opposition to the sun, but also in opposition to Chiron and an opposition to Jupiter. Jupiter's a little bit further over, but it doesn't really matter when you have three planets that close together uh, and another one opposing them, they tend to act like a crew, <laughs> right? The three of them are there acting together. And they're acting together in a way in Aries to help us with a new beginning of sorts, right? That even though this is a full moon and we're bringing something into fullness, remember all of that started with a new moon. So what happened at the new moon, right? And what are you bringing together? Remember the new moon was at zero degrees of Aries. We have another new moon in Aries in a couple of weeks that will be at 29 degrees of Aries. So the full moon plops itself right smack dab in the middle of something that was started two weeks ago and something that will lead to something new with a game-changing solar eclipse with the new moon on the 19th and 20th of this month. So really interesting, I think. Now, partly with Chiron in there, there's the whole healing aspect. Chiron is about the healing of our identity, of our very selves, right? Who who am I? The question being answered, who am I? And what's in my way of really being all that I am, all that I want to be, right? So we have, you know, Chiron brings up the wound, the experiences you've had in your past, uh, maybe in your past lives even, but in the past, in this lifetime, even as far as what's stopped you, what fear is in the way of you moving forward, what stops you from being your true and authentic self, because the wound here is really about identity, who I am. But then there's also a little bit more about codependency here with the moon in Libra. Libra can rule in the negative codependency. Right. And if if I was on air tomorrow and we were talking about the moon in Libra, what we would be talking about is relationships, but also in the shadow, it would be codependency where we get too caught up in relationships and we can't we lose ourselves within it. Right. So the moon will be in Libra, maybe helping us to see where we have lost ourselves in the group or in the dynamic of a relationship. And then how do I pull my own sunshine? The sun is in Aries. How do I pull my own sun out? Right. How do I start shining my own true and authentic self? And of course, there's also Chiron here. So Chiron is the wound around doing that. What's happened in the past when you've pulled away from a relationship of codependency? And what was the wound like, right? It's difficult to get out of codependent relationships, right? There's a lot of fear around that. And the other aspect here is independence. And I'm going to call it super independence, where on the other end of the spectrum are the people that need nobody. I don't need your help. I don't want your help. I don't need you in my life. I'm all I need. And of course, that it can't be true either, 
because we're humans, we live in tribes or communities or families. And so we're not alone. We are learning the appropriate boundaries between me and you, right? Or me and group and also standing out in our own truth. So there's a lot going on with this moon, just with these things. Now the moon is also, if I can show you here in the full moon, you see this green dashed line here going from the moon over here to Uranus. I don't know if you can see it that well there. It kind of cleared up a little and then it got blurry again. But anyway, that green dashed line tells you there's an in conjunct between the moon and Uranus. Uranus is at 17 degrees, four minutes of Taurus tomorrow or at the full moon. And the moon is at 16 degrees, eight minutes. So they're really just about a degree apart and an in conjunct to the moon from Uranus can lead to emotional volatility, right? Up and down, up and down, right? Or being provoked in some way. I should check that. What's the moon going to be at? The moon, the moon. Let's see, tomorrow at the full moon is in 1847. Yeah, so we, thankfully nothing's in provocation. Interesting. But at least here in this country, we have some big stuff happening tomorrow in the lead up to the full moon as it relates to politics. And that might lend us some emotional volatility between different groups and factions of beliefs in this country. But you might also be witnessing it in your own personal life. Uh, also for people around the world in other countries, you may also be experiencing this sort of intense polarization happening, the volatility of the emotional field during this new moon, full moon, excuse me. Now also uh, Mercury's in there, but he's sitting between the group in Aries and uh, the Uranus uh, Venus conjunction going on. Well, it's not really quite conjunct anymore, but the closeness of those two planets in Taurus. So it might be cooler heads prevail if we watch what we're saying, right? If we are being more sensitive, if we are leaning into love energy instead of anger, mob thinking kind of energy. So this full moon has a trigger point for sure in volatility in the emotional field, but also has the highest energy of being able to be calm, right? Virgo, remember we were talking about calm in a crisis and this week presents us with the potential for many crises or a bigger crisis. And how can we be calm in all of that? So that gives us a little more in the full moon. The moon, remember, is in Libra. Libra is the sign of diplomacy and tact and being calm in a crisis as well in a different sort of way, not calm as in mental clarity, but calm as in let's all get along, right? Let's all try to bring our, uh, our connections, our sameness to the table instead of the separateness or the differences to the table. So. That's the full moon. And of course, remember, we're gaining objectivity over our past experiences as well. We're still dealing with splenic energy with the, in the human design. And that brings us to a point where we have to let go of the excess baggage, like the old tapes, right, that are running the old beliefs that we're holding on to, the old philosophies, all of that kind of stuff. 
is is needing to be released you know we're always needing to release that when we're on the spleen energy uh, as the moon is going to be in the gate 57 which is a fear of the future right the fear in the 57 is the future like i don't know what our future holds you know um being afraid of things that you're uh, intuiting for the future kind of uh, being afraid to move forward. So that's where the moon is going to be. So part of the emotional volatility is about trying to remain objective in the midst of all the hot headedness that might be going on, uh, retiring your ego uh, to attain peace, <laughs> right? Letting that ego set aside just to be in peace, right? Peace and diplomacy, calming the mind, as it were, and Mercury is placed in a in a position between these groups of planets that can kind of help us do that. All right, let me see if anybody has any questions. Uh, I think I yeah yeah yeah. I I don't think there's any other questions. If you guys have questions, certainly put those down in the chat, and I'll come back to those. Now April fifth, sixth, and seventh. So Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, the sun and Jupiter will be together at the gate 51, the gate of shock. In human design, we call it the gate of shock, or in quantum human design, it's the gate of initiation. It's about awakening. The other gate on the other side is the 25. The 25 is the love of spirit, being inspirited, being connected to your higher self, to your God self, right? to your source, to your higher power, whatever way you want to do this, the 51 gate of shock and awakening is an initiation into being more inspirited, right? Be, seeing yourself from that higher perspective, seeing the world, seeing the interactions of yourself and others through these different kinds of lenses, all right? So that's the biggest energy here. Even if it's a shocking event, whether it's personal shock or whether it's shocking because of something going on in the world, it's about awakening to something, right? Because maybe we've been ignoring the signs. Maybe we've been just going along like our heads in the clouds kind of thing, and we're not noticing that the world is falling apart around us. And now it's time to wake up, right? and take better care of ourselves, take better care of the environment perhaps, take better care of each other, whatever it is that you are being awakened to. And that's gonna be different for everybody. But what is true for everybody is that right now, no matter whether you have 51 defined by birth or not, it's defined, meaning it's being broadcast out from you. And it's being broadcast from spirit through you out to the world and also from spirit, collective spirit, through you to be awakened and initiated into your own connection to spirit. Does that make sense to everybody? Let, let me know. Now, um, yes, that's exactly what I was alluding to, Pauline, without trying to bring up his name. But if there's an indictment and the indictment is read, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's going to be interesting. Interesting, interesting. A lot of big firsts there. It would be the first president of this country to have been indicted. Uh, yeah. And I don't know how people are going to react if that happens. So we'll have to watch for that. And uh, which house would ancestors be? It would be in the fourth. 
the fourth house is home and family, traditions, ancestors, your genealogical line, all of that. Pam, my baby's birthday is Wednesday and he has the 5125 channel. This explains him. Yeah, exactly. Um, and let's share my screen with you because I wanted to show you the chart because there's a little bit of difference between where the sun is and where Jupiter is. And so it, this gives me an opportunity to talk about the lines. So when a planet moves through a gate in your human design, it's not like it's at one degree of an astrology sign because it has different tick see these little tick marks here these little tick marks tell you kind of the flavor of the gate and how it's applying to everyone okay so let's sit with this for a second so here's the gate 51 it's an aries gate on this mandala you can see that aries here is all of the gates from about three up to mid 25 so both the gate of shock and the gate of higher expression or higher self or love of spirit are both Aries gates. Isn't that interesting? So that whole channel, 5125, uh, a gate of awakening and initiation are all in Aries. The first sign of the zodiac showing us awakening, right? Or boldly moving forward, right? Evolving evolutionary energy. But evolutionary energy often comes at a price. And it's sort of like something in the beginning that let's say you're trying to stop smoking, right? In the beginning, it's hard, right? In the beginning, any kind of habit you need to break or any new tool you're trying to look to use or any new way of living your life is very difficult in the beginning, right? Because we're breaking an old pattern, perhaps, or we're moving out of an old pattern. So the gates of Aries really show us where we are starting to move forward and where we are slowly getting to where we want to go. By the way, this chart moves this direction. So what is that counterclockwise, just like in astrology? So in Aries, the opening gate is gate 25. Then we move to the 17, the 21, gate of control right? Uh, 17, the gate of opinions. So we start with the love of spirit. We move to opinions. We move then to control. Now we're in shock. And then we move to celebration and then to innovation, right? So that's the journey that we move through with Aries. But right now we have two planets sitting here, the sun and Jupiter, but they're in different places, even though they're in the same gate. So I want to talk about that. So the sun starting on the 5th, Wednesday, we'll move into the gate 51 into the line one. So it'll be this first little tick mark you see right here, the line one, right? And the line one is all about um, energy that's volatile. It's arousing energy, right? It gets people's dander up. It gets people shocked, right? That's the initial shocking thing. It is disruption is essentially what we're looking at. And it's growth via disruption, right? So the very first line that any planet comes to in this gate is going to be about some kind of disruption. 
and that might look like an uprising. It could look like uh, a doctor, a diagnosis that you don't like in, in your health. It could look like winning the lottery. It could look like meeting the person that you, you know, the meeting your, your soulmate. Lots of different things comprise disruption here. It's not always negative things. It can be. Most often that's what gets our attention, right? Is these very high event, high energy events that happen. So the first line that the sun goes through, the first line that Jupiter went through when he moved in here was this arousing energy, getting us kind of juiced up in some way, disrupting the patterns in our lives. Now, the sun then will move uh, in the next day into the line two. And the line two in uh, our human design is really kind of a gate of being uh, a hermit, needing some time to retreat or withdrawal and uh, kind of get perspective on what's happening. But in the line two here with the sun, this is surviving, right? Surviving whatever it is that's shocked us. And it's not merely surviving. I, you know, that's a word that makes sense here, but it's really more about having the patience to transcend whatever the shock was or whatever the defeat was or whatever the awakening event was. And holding space with that until you can move through it, right? Until you can move through whatever it is that held the shock. Then the third line here is where the sun will be at the same time Jupiter is in the very final line of the gate. And this is about being coming composed, right? So, okay, now calm. We're taking in the calm. We're calmly realigning with the changes or with the shock or with whatever we've been awakened to. So we start the process of embodying whatever the shock was, right? We start to make decisions and to respond to what are, how are we going to show up in all of this? And getting through a shock is linked to our ability to stay calm. Have you ever tried to get through something, but you're just in chaos or crazy energy, crazy making energy, trauma energy? You cannot get to calm if you're continuing to stay in shock, if you're continuing to stay in the trauma. At some point, you have to choose to come to peace or to come to calmness with whatever the event that has happened. So getting through whatever the awakening process is for you individually or for us collectively is really about trying to remain calm, not becoming reactive. Now, where's Jupiter? This is where I got this idea of the Phoenix energy for the show today. This is really regenerative energy. Jupiter is at the final line, the line six in this uh, gate. And this is regenerating. This is where the phoenix rises from the ashes. So whatever, <coughs> excuse me, the shocks or awakening has been since Jupiter moved into the 51 last month, we are now arising anew, right? We're, we're like the phoenix. We are, we've come through the death spiral and now, or the, 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 the rebirth need, and now we are arising from the ashes. This is where we can dramatically shift ourselves from the old beliefs we have to understanding the new beliefs that are out there or the new philosophies that are out there or the new energies that we are being presented with. 
this gives us enduring energy, right? So Jupiter sitting at the gate six here until Sun Saturday the 8th is giving us endurance, the ability to grow and evolve through the challenges that have been presented to us during this time that every that the sun and jupiter both have been in the gate 51 of shock and awakening now you might also notice i i put the gate 57 here because the sun will be at 51 along with jupiter but the moon is going to be here at 57 excuse me the earth is going to be here at 57 along with the moon at the full moon and the 57 is a libran gate right it's over here at libra uh, and we have here this energy of intuition, of clarity, of seeing the future, right? Of being able to tap into what comes next using our instinctual awareness, right? The spleen energy is instinctual awareness, instinctual awareness of time, of intuition, of body wisdom, of our health, of what comes next, right? So that is the gate 57 here so even though we may see chaotic events or have chaotic sort of things happening we have this potential to stay calm by looking toward the future right and creating the future the way that we want to see that future the 57 fear is that of the future right that the future is all going to blow up right that there is no future maybe Right. Or that um, you're, you, you know, tomorrow, let's say, for example, um, in this country, that there is a backlash against the indictment that comes down on the ex-president and people are going to react, perhaps, and they react badly, perhaps. There's always that potential because we're in the gate of shock. But if we stay calm, we can you know, instead of tapping into the fear that our country has gone to hell in a handbasket and that we're going towards civil war or we're going toward a revolution, totally possible, but we don't have to tap into that. We can instead tap into peace. And the creative power that we each have is about, well, what part do I want to play in this, right? Who do I want to be in this? How can I come to peace with that future, right? By using my intuition, and even if it is something that feels like I need to protect myself or I need to uh, do something that, you know, is um, survival sort of, because this is the energy of survival here, that I can do it with calm and I can do it with purpose. So we don't have to tap into the fear of the 57. We can tap into the intuitive awareness, the instinctual awareness here of what are the correct next steps for us to take or for me to take, right? I'm speaking kind of collectively though, because this is a collective energy at the moment because everybody's feeling this, right? You may not have gate 57 defined in your own chart. You may not have a gate 51 defined in your chart, but you have them and you have them defined now because of planets. And then when those planets move on, then you go back to having openness there, right? And a non-definition there. And that means you're taking in shock from others perhaps, or uh, taking in intuition from around you. So, all right, does all that make sense to everybody? I'm gonna stop sharing here. And, oh yeah, I kinda go back to StreamYard, there I am. Okay, so questions? 
comments. Co-create from what shocked, not react, but proactive. Yeah, response, right? That's what I'm really talking about is responding. And responding perhaps from regenerating new energy, from regeneration, like rising from the ashes, rising from, you know, the destruction, right? N not keeping the destruction and the disruption and the shock awake, uh, awakening going on and on and on, allowing yourself at some point to take it in, integrate, and then respond, right? That's the whole idea. Okay. <clears throat> so did I miss anything here? Ever hear of houses for first marriage, second, and so on? Yes, you can do that. There is that. Um, then JLo, you see Chiron. Um, you see. Okay. Un what is unconscious? Okay, unconscious Chiron 51.6 and unconscious IC 25.6. That I know more about and I understand so much more. Yeah, exactly. Because in your case, then the um the axis here is taking you back into your lineage in some ways, right? There may be a genetic heritage that you're contending with that has kept you caught up in the old thinking or old patterns, and you're busting through those because 51 is where Chiron is. So there's the healing potential here of busting through, busting out. So how does it work for reflectors when a channel is activated, Pauline wants to know? And that's a really good question because remember reflectors have all open centers. There's nothing in the chart that's defined except for gates that are hanging. So let me go back to um, share. Let me go back to share my screen here and we'll go to chart builder. Boom. Oh wait, yes I did. Okay, so I can take this away. So let's say you, you are a reflector and you probably have other random gates all around your chart. Nope, that wouldn't be defined. We have that. Uh, and, you know, maybe you have uh, gate 61 in your head. Uh, maybe you have gate one there. So you've got these hanging gates. Remember, hanging gates are potential. They're not being expressed until there's energy at the other side, right? So I'm going to take away 51. Oops. Boom. Let's put 25 there instead. All right, so now that this is our reflector, right? Our reflector has all of these different uh, gates that are hanging, but they're all potential. They lie in potential until somebody with something at the other side or a planetary body passing through connects it up. So we, this person has the hanging gate 25, and now we have Jupiter and the sun at gate 51. So we've completed a channel. And that completion of the channel now turns on this reflector's identity and their heart center. And now they have this potential awakening that they are going through or the potential awakening that they are helping others go through. It's always a two-way street, two ways, right? It can be me going through this or it can be other people going through it that I'm helping them go through kind of thing, right? So then 
in a couple of days, we're going to erase the Sun and Jupiter from the gate 51, and that goes back to being undefined. All right. So a reflector may more intensely feel or experience these energies because it's like suddenly turned on. It's like turning on a spotlight in their faces all of a sudden, right? I was talking, I have another client whose husband is a reflector and he out of the blue had a kidney stone flare. So I'm wondering if maybe Jupiter sitting at the gate 51 might have connected with a 25 for him, thus creating an awakening, a shocking event uh, and something that he was still contending with on Friday, uh, Saturday or whenever I talked to her last. And, um, you know, maybe happening until we clear the gate 51. So I hope that's helpful. Uh, it would happen with other gates too, because the moon, of course, is moving every day. Right. The moon moves through different gates every day. Let's take the 57 away here. And let's put this person with a gate uh, 20. And now we're going to have a full moon sitting at the gate 57. And that is going to come on. Highlight. There we go. I'm going to make that one red just because now we're going to have this person's connected throat to spleen through the 20 and the 57. So this person may suddenly, as a reflector, suddenly become highly intuitive and start talking to people about what they see for their future or for what they are intuiting about that person or about that event. So it's then going to go away when the moon moves out of the 57, right? Now they don't have that center defined anymore. They don't have the throat center defined anymore. And they may be left going, well, where did my voice go? Like, maybe I'm not intuitive. Maybe that was just one, you know, random event. But 30 days from now, the moon, or 28 days, 29.5 days, uh, or 28.5, the gate will be reactivated by the moon. So there's a, that's why it's important for reflectors to have a calendar so that they know which days their different uh, gates are being uh, aspected to become channels that then define centers so that they are aware that that's temporary energy. It's not a big change in your life forever. It's for a day, for a few hours even, if it's the moon, a day or so if it's Venus or Mars or, or uh, Mercury, and maybe longer if it is an outer planet. All right, does that make sense, everybody? Questions about that? Is If so, is it seven, then nine, and 11, and so on? Yes. So if it's a first marriage, it's a marriage happens in the seventh house, right? That's your first marriage. If you have a second marriage, it's going to be two houses from the house of marriage. So that's now going to be the eighth house because you count the seventh house and then you move to the eighth house. Right. So that's how you would do that. A, a, a third marriage would be the seventh house, the eighth house, and then a ninth house position. So Pauline says, if open as a reflector sounds like fully mutable, wonder if their astrology reflects more mutable signs. Hmm. It would be interesting to see that. Um, I would think that they have 
just as big a chance of mutable fixed and cardinal signs in their chart. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that now, Pauline. I'm gonna pick up some reflectors and then pull their astrology charts and see what I can find there. Are reflectors empathy uh, empathic? Basically, yes, they are. Right, they're empathic. All a reflector can do is reflect what's going on around them. That's all they can do. They can reflect the transit that might be happening that's defining something. They can reflect you because that's exactly what they do, right? They can, that if you are in the room with a reflector, that reflector is picking up all of your energies, all of the centers you have defined, all the gates that you have defined. And that reflector may become more like you because they have an open identity center. If you have a defined identity center, they're taking in your identity. If you have a defined sacral center, let's say you're a generator and you have a reflector spouse or child, then that child is picking up you. So whatever you see in a reflector is really not them, it's you or the group, right? If you have a reflector in your group and that reflector is doing really well, they're re reflecting happiness and peace back to you, then that group is the source of the calm and the peace. So they're really open channels. <clears throat> if you have a reflector in your midst and the reflector is ill or is tired and is dragging or is upset, it's a reflection of the energies of the transits at the moment or the people in that reflector's life. Right. So remember last Monday I had Terry Strauss on and she's a medium, right? The reason she's such a good medium is she's able to reflect back information, right? She's open in all of this way. So she's open to the other side. She's open to intuitive guidance. And yet that is only turned on when she's with another person. She doesn't just lie in bed all by herself with nobody around picking up all kinds. She could maybe <laughs> some days picking up things and then going out to the world to tell them about it. It happens when she's with another person. So that's how that works out a little differently. Uh, good questions, guys. Uh, animals pick up diseases of someone in the family. That is because they are unconditionally loving beings. Yeah, that's a possibility. Animals have uh, their own... They have their own human design, but it wouldn't be human design. They have their own design, right? A mammalian design. And um, they are kind of, they're not reflectors necessarily, but they reflect unconditional love to us. Good morning, Natasha. It's good to see you. Thank you for your disruption and description of these actions in my life. I'm very excited for these moments jumping me onto the right path or the writer path, she says. That's awesome. Christine, please, if there is time for a card for us all for the full moon, let's do it, shall we? Let me pull my cards over here. And let's see, what should we pull? Um, hmm. Okay, we're gonna pull, we're gonna pull three cards for the full moon. Hmm. We're gonna pull a Mayan Oracle card. We're going to pull one from the Dreamweaver Oracle. 
which I just love this deck. And we're going to pull one Tom's favorite deck, the Pleiadians. So let's see what we get. We'll start with Pleiadian Wisdom. Pleiadian Wisdom because they've come through these kinds of trying times in their own galaxy, in their own, um, in their own world. And they could be way showers for us of how to be calm in the midst of crisis or calm for <laughs> in in crisis i guess that's the best way to put it in in a shocking event or in an, an awakening situation and ooh, that's a good one so the card is number 11 healing nature move into the balance of nature and away from overusing technology my guess is this is a tool now for us to be able to be calm in a crisis or calm when the world goes crazy or when your own life goes crazy. So it's healing energy. It's nature energy. And let's get to it. Number 11. All right. So it says, you have become technologically imbalanced in your life, depending upon technical devices too much. It is supremely important that you understand your interaction, <clears throat> excuse me, your interactions with nature, for you are part of nature and nature is part of you. You cannot receive an energetic healing exchange from an artificial device such as a computer or a cell phone. You can only experience a healing exchange directly from nature. It is vitally important for you to understand the healing benefits of the natural self-correcting rhythms of nature. If you lose contact with the natural world, you will find conflict and discord in everything in your life because you will become energetically out of balance. Correct your imbalance and return to nature, which is your primary healer. This is essential for your ongoing healing. So the universal energy is 11, the energy of illumination. Use the light and the energy of the sun, the sun at the gate of shock, how interesting, to support your healing and rebalancing all of your systems. I read this as in order to become a phoenix, you want to get out into nature, get back into the natural rhythm of things, right? I often do that if I'm upset, although this weekend it was raining, so I didn't really want to get out there into the environment, but that's what I will often do. Just leave it all on my desk and go somewhere in nature. All right, so let's pull a Mayan card. And remember the Mayan system of, of astrology is based on what we think was the Pleiadian uh, system. They said that they got their astrology from and their, their knowledge of mathematics and of the nature of the universe from star people. And because the Pleiadian astrology and Mayan astrology is so similar, my guess is that is where they got their wisdom as well. And oh, how funny. Uh, the card we get is Auk, which is dog. Dog in Mayan language. Let's see what that card means for us. Ah, I just passed it. Auk. The qualities of Auk are heart, breakthrough. Breakthrough, that's another word we can use for shock is it's a breakthrough. New beginnings, relationships, companions of destiny, ego, issues of the emotional body, recasting the past, spiritual strength, guardians and guides, authenticity and magnetizer. Interesting. 
One of the gifts of Auk is the calling in and recognition of other companions of destiny. Other beings with the same longing are waiting to meet and acknowledge you, beings who can see you as you authentically are. If you're hiding in a cultural role description and conforming or trying to fit in, how can your companions of destiny actually recognize you? Be authentic. Be who you truly are in your magnificence and seeming differences. When you act authentically without compromise, you naturally court magic. When you have been truly seen, you feel empowered and remembrances of a shared sacred trust are ignited. This is a natural process divinely designed for recognition through vibrational affinity freed from personal expectations. Uh, and this goes on and on and on. I did not realize I picked up the long version. Let's see if there's another version here. Because that's like five pages. I don't need to read all of that to you. So let's see. Nope. 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 There. So here's the little poem that goes with in service of destiny, I bring to you companions of the heart, a shared sacred trust, new beginnings, cosmic connections, dazzling departures. Through the mythic call being sounded by your essence self, companions of destiny are being drawn to you, companions who can meet you as you authentically are. Be aware of the sense of affinity that will guide you to the recognition of these companions. Feel the stirrings of remembrance of those who came to serve with you. Release your belief in separation. Step free from your attachment to the separate I. Let the rich tapestry of the larger pattern emerge. The mosaic of meaning beckons you to follow its unfolding mystery. Gotta love that. Gotta love that. So this is awk. Dog. Dog. Um, now, let's do the last one, the Dreamweaver's Oracle. and for our week ahead, for the full moon. The one thing I didn't get to talk about is Jupiter moving into gate 42, but I'll write something up for that this week. Woo! And we get, oh gosh, I think we've had this one already. Could it be a dragonfly? Did we have this card? I think we have. Card number eight, which suggests a connection between spirit and matter, heart to heart connection. So let's look at that one, because I'm pretty sure we've seen this already, but we must need this information. Okay. The essential meaning of this card is seeing the meaning beyond the illusion of perception. Signs from the universe are all around. Recognizing the outer world as a living oracle and paying attention to the signs. There are days when you begin to notice just how in sync you are with the world. While you're thinking of a person, they call you or you see their name on the side of a truck. You might need to know the answer to something important. Then you overhear just what information you need in the lyrics of a song on the radio. It's common to develop a relationship to a sign that always shows up when the spirit of someone you've loved and lost is nearby. Oftentimes it is based in nature like a feather or a butterfly. Maybe a dragonfly shows up to let you know you're on the right track. Now is the time for you to trust those signs in the world around you as a way in which the universe reflects you, witnesses you, and loves you dearly. Pay attention as the entire world is your oracle. 
Uncanny and serendipitous occurrences remind you that you matter, that the universe is watching over you. Could it be a simple dragonfly or is that a message from spirit sparkling through its wings? Trust these symbolic moments. They are sacred and personal. There you go. Could it be a dragonfly? I love it. All right. Well, that is it for me today. On Wednesday, 4 p.m. Pacific time, I will be on Angel Heart Radio with Annette McCoy. She and I are going to take a look at the upcoming eclipse and eclipses and try to explain how all of that plays out in everybody's lives. Um, that again, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. East Coast time. And remember, I will not be with you on Friday. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me this morning. It was good to see you all. Take care. Have a great day.